Welcome to Stepping Into Health, Inspiring Conversations with Tamara Ortigal. Join me for engaging conversations with people who are shining their light in the world. You will hear us chat about business, relationships, spirituality, community, hobbies, and health, all the things that contribute to our vitality and wholeness. Although I love to talk about food as medicine, energy healing, and other holistic modalities, at the root of my health coaching practice are these questions. Why do you want to be healthy? And what steps are you willing to take to get there? Through my podcast, I hope to increase your awareness of what is possible and to inspire you to take action. Thank you so much for joining us. My husband and I have always dreamed of living closer to the city. So in March of 2019, we bought a condo in Oak Park. It was going to be such a fun adventure for us when our youngest son went off to college in the fall of 2020. We were going to hang out in the city, explore the local community, and plan lots of weekend getaways near and far. I was eager to get to know my new community, so I joined a business networking group, attended yoga and Pilates classes, and began to frequent local restaurants right away. When the pandemic started a year later, we were not sure what to do. Our son graduated high school in June and was still planning to go away to college. The real estate market was booming, with most people wanting to move away from the city, and we didn't need two places. We decided to move forward with our plans. In July 2020, we sold our house and the three of us moved. We had no idea how long the pandemic would last or how it would impact our assimilation into a new community. Let me say, it has been much harder on us than I could have ever imagined. With the shutdown, it's been hard for me to meet new people and get involved in my new place. So much so that I've been looking at new homes on Zillow and exploring communities outside of Illinois. This led me to think hard about my values and what it would take for me to love where I live. I stumbled upon the book, This is Where You Belong, The Art and Science of Loving the Place You Live by Melody Warnick. In her book, Melody studies place attachment by doing a series of love where you live experiments. It's a really well done book, fun to listen to on audio or to read in print. She challenges us to fall in love with the place we are rather than chasing after the perfect place. This was just the advice I needed to hear. I know my discontent is more a matter of the pandemic. As businesses gradually reopen and in-person school resumes, I will be able to engage in my community the way I had planned and feel a sense of joy and contentment. I need to muster a little more patience to get me through. I asked my friend Kevin, who is a lifelong resident of our community and a local realtor, to read Melody's book along with me and to discuss it today. I can't wait to chat with him about this super interesting topic. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Tamara. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a, a nice sunny but cold day out. So great time to be inside talking on a podcast. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's beautiful here too, but I'm excited to get talking. So thank yeah. you so much for reading this book with me and chatting today. I knew you would be able to shed a lot of light on this topic of loving where you live. So. Yeah, yeah, it was a great book and it was a lot of fun to read. So thank you for introducing it to me. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. So to begin, would you like to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so um, I am not a native Midwesterner. Uh, I came to that uh, in my 20s. Um, actually, I grew up in Connecticut outside of uh, New York City. And um, believe it or not, I'm the first of many, many generations who did not grow up uh, in Manhattan. 
Um, so my family line goes back, uh, certain, well, probably to about the 1700s or before in Manhattan. And uh, so my, my parents moved out to Connecticut, which was somewhat uh, uh, heretical at that point. Um, and I grew up uh, in a bedroom community of, uh, of New York and um, really nice along Long Island Sound. Um, but when I decided to go to college, um, I, I really wanted to kind of go to someplace really very different. So uh, I cast my net far and wide and um, got into schools in California and also in the Midwest. And I decided that, you know, California might be a little bit too far. So I, I compromised and went to school in St. Louis at Washington University. And I loved it. Um, I remember getting off the airplane. This is before they had jetways uh, going down the stairs. And at the top of the stairs, as I exited the door from the airplane, I saw the horizon from point to point and I said, this is it. I'm home. I loved it. I never really liked the, um, the East coast. I always felt kind of hemmed in and being able to see the horizon like that was just exhilarating to me. And I became a Midwesterner. What can I say? And, um, ended up, um, really settling here in, in the Chicago area, specifically in Oak Park river forest, um, and haven't, have never looked back. No, that's really cool. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in the um, suburbs of New York during college. Mm. My sister lived out there and, um, worked in white plains Oh, sure. and yeah. And so I would go out there every summer and live with her and work and, and it was beautiful. Um, but I, yeah. I always did look forward to coming back home. So on my father's side, my father was born in white plains and his father was born in white plains as well. And as we get along in our conversation, one of the things that you'll find I really like doing is asking people where they're from. So now you and I have made this connection. We've, I know now that you've been to White Plains, and that kind of helps me to, you know, kind of place you. Um, so it, it's kind of an it, I always it's just kind of a little game that I play, and I've had really interesting results from that. I should also say that I lived in Japan for three years. Um, and uh, I'll get to that later. But uh, so th those are the three major places that I've that I've lived. Yeah. And I love that we have that in common, too. I know we've talked about that before, but I went on yeah. a foreign um, quarter in college and we went to Japan, China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and then a little stay in Hawaii to reintegrate mm -hmm. us into the U.S. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's really cool. Okay, well, let's focus a little bit on um, the Oak Park River Forest area. Sure. And can you tell me, like, what are the top three things that you love about living in this neck of the woods? Well, you know, this was kind of hard for me because I had to limit it to three. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, Park River Forest proximity to uh, downtown Chicago. Um, that was just really nice for me. Having grown up in the suburbs of New York, um, I was, you know, it, it was hard to get in and out of uh, New York City, honestly. And um, even though my grandparents lived there, um, we didn't go all that frequently, particularly when we were young, and it was kind of hard for my mom to get us all out. But what I love about Chicago and um, the, the surrounding suburbs, um, 
you know, particularly those near in suburbs like like Oak Park, Forest Park, River Forest, um, et cetera, um, is that you can just jump on the train within 20 minutes. You're in the hub of everything. So that's one. The other thing that drew me to um, Oak Park, River Forest was that um, I've always been an architecture buff. And um, as far back as I can remember, I, I remember reading about Frank Lloyd Wright and looking at his buildings. So, of course, if, if you're a Frank Lloyd Wright fan, uh, Oak Park is Valhalla. It's, there's just an incredible number of his designs here and uh, his students' designs. So for me, it, it really sort of filled that niche, um, that sort of longing and, and interest that I have. Um, and then the other thing that I really like about this area is that there is a lot of nature around, particularly when you think that, you know, we're 10, 11 miles from downtown Chicago. Um, yet I have deer walking in my yard. Um, I have all sorts of wildlife that I see. It, it also helps that I live across from the forest preserve, but, um, you just can't find that in, you know, many major metropolitan areas. And I know some people complain, my neighbors complain about uh, having their plants being eaten by deer, but um, I just think it's wonderful. I know. I, I, I think that's what drew us to Oak Park also is, you know, we, we did want to be close to the city because my husband works downtown and my kids live downtown. And so it's, you know, the perfect place to jump on the train or even take a short drive. Um, and where we live, we have access to the downtown area really close by, and then also the, the suburbs and the, you know, neighborhood feeling. Um, and I love that. And the, uh, forest preserves and Thatcher woods and, and, you know, cause we've been spending a lot of time just exploring uh, east of Route 83, all the different mm -hmm. trails. And so we've gone to Lamont and Oak Brook and Hinsdale and Oak Park River Forest and just had a lot of fun walking the dog in the trails yeah. and spending time in nature. So yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah, those are all beautiful. And then, of course, Frank Lloyd Wright is just, oh gosh, the architecture is gorgeous. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So, how many years have you lived in this community? Well, it's going on 39 years for me. Um, so uh, it's quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you traveled a lot for your career. I did. Right. So you, yeah. 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 So, um, so before I was a realtor, um, I had my own business uh, doing uh, import export business between the U.S. and Japan. And um, I worked with American companies that were targeting the Japanese market for their products and also with Japanese companies coming this way, coming into the American market. And between the two of those, I would be um, in Japan, typically for two to three weeks, once a quarter. So um, I've got quite a lot of uh, frequent mile, frequent you know, flyer miles under my belt. And um, yeah, gone back there over, I, I lost count at about 100, but yeah, it's quite a yeah. lot. Do you think that the um, fact that you traveled for your job made it nicer to live for a longer time in the same place? Did that influence you at all, do you think? Well, so here's the funny thing, Tamara. Um, 
I'm really a homebody. And um, how I chose this career, uh, you know, traveling internationally for most of my career um, is, is kind of, it was one of those things that I kind of dared myself to do because it, frankly, it was really um, kind of frightening to me. I didn't go on my junior year abroad. I was petrified. Um, and I, I kind of had to force myself after I graduated from college. You know, I spent four years studying Japanese, graduated with a BA in Japanese studies, and I kind of had to do something with it. So I, I figured that, you know, I could read and write, but I couldn't speak Japanese at that point. So I thought, well, you know, I, I guess I better go get that under my belt. So I went and uh, taught English in Japan for three years and, you know, very, very rapidly became fluent in Japanese once I got there. But it was, for me, it was, I remember consciously thinking that I had to do that one thing that I was most afraid of doing. So, and that was traveling overseas and being away from home, as it were, even though, you know, I hadn't lived in my parents' home for a long time, you know, being away from what was familiar. And, um, you know, I, I always kept that international component um, in my career. It's kind of a duality, a split personality, perhaps. Um, and, uh, you know, it was always, to me, a, you know, just so wonderful coming back here. Um, and I, I just, you know, I just loved, you know, living where I, where I lived. And so, uh, and of course it was, you know, Chicago is a major um, air hub. So it was easy to, you know, get a direct flight back and forth to Tokyo. So, you know, for all those reasons, yes, it, it, you know, it really helped having a stable home base. Nice. And um, as you look forward, do you, you know, plan to retire in this community or do you and your wife have, uh, you know, visions of maybe going somewhere else next? Well, uh, so um, we want to be where our kids are. Um, and we have uh, three daughters, two daughters live in, in the Chicago area. Um, one daughter uh, is out in Denver. And I, I'm pretty sure that we're going to stay in the Chicago area, um, you know, even though it's cold and miserable <laughs> in February, <laughs> like it is now. But um, yeah, and I think, you know, we're going to age in place, which is the common term now, um, for as, as, as long as uh, we can before we, you know, kind of give up the yard and, and uh, move into a condo or something. But um, yeah, I think we're going to, we're going to stay here and, um, uh, we, we just kind of like it. Our thought has always been that, you know, rather than buy a second home, we could use that money to, uh, maybe spend a month or two months, um, in an Airbnb in someplace warmer. And, and that's what we'll do. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is funny to, you know, talk to different couples, you know, I think, by the time you get to our age, you know, everybody has their own vision of what the future looks like. And, um, you know, I, I'm always imagining being in an area that has just a beautiful landscape. Mm -hmm. I want to look out my window and go, wow, I'm so blessed to live here. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the factor of, you know, my kids will unlikely be doing that with <laughs> me. And so, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be in this gorgeous place alone. Right, right. Right. So, yeah, there's the rub. <laughs> so, so my father lives in Flagstaff, Arizona. And, um, you know, this is the guy who grew up in the Northeast and, and all. And he, he kind of followed his muse out to uh, 
to Flagstaff, which is lovely and it's a great community. But he often says, particularly now during uh, COVID, um, he says, how come nobody's coming to visit me? You know, I said, well, it's kind of hard to get out there, Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a few little obstacles right yeah. now. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know that is a gorgeous area, too. My mom lived in Chandler, Arizona oh, for a yeah. little while. Yeah. And um, she really loved it. But she's back here to be by family. Right? I think that's what happens yeah, is a lot of times you go and you, you check it out and then you realize that, you know, the, the people are what's missing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, gosh. Okay. Well, this book was just amazing. And, um, you know, I, I really can't wait to hear your thoughts on some of it. And, um, you know, one of the things I loved is the whole concept of, you know, loving where you live is so important. Mm -hmm. um, and so the author, Melody, does these love where you live experiments. And uh, so the first one she does is walk your city. And I know that you did something like this at the beginning of the pandemic for your real estate clients. I did. Yeah. 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 So tell us about the app that you created, or I don't even know. Do you have more than one? app? No, it's just, it's just, uh, actually. So what it is, is, um, I didn't create the app, but the app is, um, was made by a, a you know, a separate company. Um, and it's called pocket sites. And if you go to pocketsites.com, you'll, you'll find it. Um, and what it does is it allows you to make your own tours, your own, uh, you know, tours of whatever. And um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was noticing, you know, people just don't want to get into my car and, you know, view a city. Um, and frankly, I, I didn't feel all that comfortable about that myself. So I thought, well, gee, why don't I put together these self-guided tours that, um, people could use to, you know, view kind of the, the hidden side of some of the uh, Western suburban communities that I work in. So I, uh, I've got three up there now, uh, one for Oak Park, one for River Forest, and one for Brookfield. Um, and I show them all the sites uh, of, um, you know, that, that, that as, a, as a resident of that community, they'd probably enjoy going to. And I, uh, I crowdsource them. So I, I, you know, I'd put on Facebook, uh, you know, um, uh, just an open invitation to friends to say, you know, name the 10 best things you like about being in Oak Park. You know, where do you like to go? Where do you like to see? And so I, I picked the ones that I too enjoyed and uh, created these tours. I thought that was really, really genius. So kudos to you for oh, finding thanks. another way to show your prospects, yeah. you know, some of the places they may love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of yeah. fun. It's a lot of fun. That's cool. But even for, you know, people who've been around here for a while, they're, you know, everyone has their own kind of little bubble. Um, if you like music, you tend to go, you know, you know, all the, the hot spots for music. Or if you're if you're really into theater or dining or something, you know, you you can find a, a whole wealth of, of different things around. Yeah, yeah. And another thing that I thought was cool is, um, of course, as somebody who's into health and wellness, I always like to buy things local. Mm -hmm. I enjoy, you know, visiting um, farmers markets and maybe joining CSAs. I belong to a blueberry CSA, ah, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. From Michigan. And um, but um, I thought this concept of a third place is so neat. Right. We spend time at home and we spend time at the office usually. Uh -huh. 
Um, but then there, you know, when you have a third place, um, it's really cool. It's this other place. Maybe it's a coffee shop or a library or a restaurant mm. where people look forward to seeing you and they recognize you yeah. and they know what you like and they miss you when you don't arrive mm-hmm. and show up. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a place like that that you tend to frequent a lot that you would consider a third place? I do. Um, and it's been a place that I haven't been to for about a year now. Um, so uh, I am an amateur musician. Um, and for, the, I don't know, maybe the past 15 years or so, I've been playing with the Oak Park Farmers Market Band, just a pickup group that meets at the uh, during the, the summer months when the Oak Park Farmers Market is behind Pilgrim Church. We all get there at 8 o'clock in the morning. The really avid ones get there uh, at around 7, so you can usually see me around 7 down in the church basement. Um, and we get together and play music. And that's one, that's the third place that, you know, for me, uh, yeah, uh, is it just has all of those things, um, that you had mentioned, you know, people who miss you when you don't show up, who, you know, have become longtime friends. Um, and yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And I'm curious, what's, what's your third place? I'd love to hear this from your perspective as someone who's a little newer to this area. Yeah. You know, we have had a lot of fun going to the local restaurants mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we did move here when the pandemic was already started. So a lot of places were, you know, having fewer, uh, people inside and thankfully the weather outside was so beautiful. So, um, we have really enjoyed, um, I guess one of my favorite places is Il Vicolo restaurant. It has, um, a beautiful little alley next to it. And so they rent that space from, um, the gun, you know, the local government Mm and, um, and uh, they have beautiful outdoor dining. Mm. And then uh, Maya del Sol mm. oh, I love that place. is yeah. Mexican. And we have become friend, very friendly with the manager there. Mm-hmm. And they have done a great outdoor dining um, and even created a, a space that's a little covered but still outdoors. So they, ex- they extended their regular outdoor dining mm. for this season in our life. And that's been really nice. And then um, Rustico is just down the street from me. And it's a sweet um, sort of Mediterranean mm-hmm. mix of things. And uh, and they have a nice outdoor dining in the front and the back. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I'm tending toward the food right uh-huh. now. Uh-huh. Um, but before I moved, I, I had joined a couple uh, physical fitness places. One was a yoga studio, the Yoga Loft. Uh-huh. And I've done some yoga there, but of course, you know, it's, it's me and two others. Mm -hmm. And so when you're trying to share breath, it's, you know, a little limiting. Um, I look forward to a much more crowded room. Um, And then Village Pilates um, is a beautiful Pilates studio in Forest Park, but Regan, the owner, before the pandemic opened a second facility and she does something called Soul Oh gosh, what is, I forgot exactly what it's called, but it's kind of a mix of dance and Pilates. Mm. Um, And it's just beautiful. And, um, and so I was, you know, showing up to these places and um, I look forward to being able to do that again because I really love working out in these kinds of environments. So um, how have you, how have you made up for the loss of those since the pandemic began? 
Yeah, you know, I really haven't. I've tried to go, you know, when they're open. Um, I I did go to one Pilates class that they held in someone's um, backyard, Mm -hmm. which was really cool. Um, I'm finding that I'm walking outside. I usually walk outside twice a day. Now I'm spending as much time outside as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the trails have become my Mm -hmm. comfort zone. And um, it's really sweet. One of my friends is part of a, a group of women who like to walk, and um, she invited me to come along. And so I usually go on the weekends and walk with these ladies in Hinsdale, and we walk outside, and um, and we just, gosh, we just appreciate being able to breathe fresh air and commune with each other mm. and get exercise. And, um, and I think that that's really been a nice uh, replacement for me right now. And I probably will continue to do that even when things open up. And yeah, because um, I yeah. have this new little group of ladies yeah. that I enjoy. It must help having a dog too, because I, I noticed that um, dog owners, when they are out walking, they, they often sort of, you know, congregate if their dogs, you know, aren't yapping too much at each other. Um, and that, and even, even if when you're walking your dog, um, I know when I'm, a, I'm a big walker myself. I'll always stop and talk to people with the dog and, you know, and ask them about their pet and, and, and all of that. Do you find that as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's nice. And also um, I did a little bit of bike riding and I'm in the market for a new road bike oh. and I'm going, my husband and I are going to go along with my sister and some of her friends on one of those longer rides oh, well, I, in the fall. I got a guy for you. So we'll, you know, we'll have to circle oh. around after for that. So. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm going to, I told my, my birthday is in May and I said in late February or March, I'm going to buy myself a birthday present oh, <laughs> early because I don't want to miss out on, you know, having all the bikes be sold. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, terrific. Yeah. yeah no, I can help you. I, I can help you with that. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and along the same lines of, um, you know, being outside in nature, the author of this book talked about vitamin G mm. and, Oh, I just chuckled when I saw that she talks about vitamin G, which is green space. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what did you think about that? Yeah. I, I think it's great to be, you know, to be outside. As I said, I'm a big walker. I, I get up at um, early in the morning around five thirty, and um, I walk for about three miles. Um, usually, usually every other day, I kind of, right now when it's cold, I kind of intersperse it with, um, riding a stationary bike in the basement, which is hugely boring. Um, but in the summer I ride my bike around the villages. Um, and I, I just really like it, um, because I feel that, um, I'm much more creative. Um, it allows me space and time to think, um, and I do, I do my best work at between the hours of about five thirty and six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and I think it's hugely important. Yeah. You know, the one exercise I really enjoy doing outside and inside and that I'm really missing is swimming. Mm. Um, I used to belong to the export and they had a really nice pool that was, um, a kind of a combination of chlorine and salt water. Mm. So it was very gentle on your respiratory system and on your skin Mm -hmm. and I find swimming laps very meditative and um, I'm really hoping that I can find a place nearby to swim laps so if you have a lead lead for me there that would be great well yeah yeah the problem is uh, you know I think you put your finger on how much chlorine is in the water and 
Um, that is very disturbing. I grew up um, in a beach community and, uh, you know, we always swam in the salt. And um, to me, that's what I'm most familiar with. And I've tried doing laps in chlorine and it's, uh, I don't last very long, particularly at this time of year, because, you know, it's so tough on your skin. It just dries you out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And then another thing she touched on was volunteer work. And Yes. Oh, my gosh. In my life, you know, that's been a huge thing. I was uh, doing a lot of volunteer work with the DuPage Foundation mm. and Loaves and Fishes in mm-hmm. Naperville. And um, I did sign up to, to volunteer with Beyond Hunger. Mm-hmm. But um, I haven't gotten myself there yet, yeah. so yeah. really missing this, you know, missing that. Yeah, I've done that too, and um, I find that's a great way to connect with a community because you know there's nothing like you know just sort of doing service work next to somebody and chatting, you know, while you're sorting vegetables or putting together meal packages or you know whatever it is, you know, tutoring, um, and it sort of instantly gives you a sense of place and connection and it kind of gets you out of your own skin, which I, I think is hugely, hugely important. And one of the things that I, that I really try and um, talk to about the people that I meet and I'm, I'm in touch with a lot of expats who are coming in from, you know, to the Chicago area from Asia. And one of the things that I, often try to um, get them involved in is either volunteer work or um, education, you know, going out and taking some classes. If, if you have a hobby, you know, it, it's great to kind of, you know, go to your community college and um, do, uh, you know, take some courses in that and, or, you know, go to a little bit beyond your, your comfort zone and uh, do something that perhaps um, you've always wanted to do, but never have. And you'd be surprised at how many new people you meet and um, what a supportive environment that is. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It's very satisfying. One of the things I I really like about Oak Park River Forest is that we have a culture of block parties here. Um, And uh, I I just love these sort of, they're not very spontaneous, but you know, they're, they're planned events. And, uh, before we moved to river forest, uh, our block in Oak park had a, uh, uh, a block. Actually it was like a quarterly block party, um, where there's a progressive dinner. There was a block party for the kids in the summer. Um, then in the winter we'd had a bowling night. I mean, it's just kind of incredible. It, 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 a throwback, uh, to times when people really knew their neighbors. And I really liked that. Yeah, that's really neat. And you know, one of the other things I think is really cool is everybody has really large, well, not everybody, a lot of people have really large front porches Mm. where they have their, you know, picnic table or their lounge chairs in the front of the house. And I know there was one block where they play music Mm -hmm. um, on their front porches and it's sort of a a way to commune. It is. Yeah. 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 Way fun. That's cute. Yeah. Um, and then I've never been a very political person. I don't watch the news. I find it very depressing. Um, but I loved this suggestion that she gave evidently, which this is new to me, there's, um, institutes. And so in her community, there was something called the citizens Institute where you can take a nine week class to learn about what the local government does 
and you know what the what the hot spots are, mm-hmm. um, what the important things are that the community is working on, and um, out of that, there you know she was then invited to participate in any one of thirty boards mm-hmm. that would be possible. Have you heard of that before? You know, it, I, I was trying to think of um, a, a local institute, um, and probably the closest we get is the Nineteenth Century Club here in Oak Park. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, it's a member, it's a membership organization. It's not terribly expensive. Um, and you know, that's, uh, it doesn't have quite the educational component that would, you know, what the, uh, what Melody had described, but, um, it, it does serve as a way to, um, get citizens involved in, community life and um, also just, you know, social life in, in general. And that's been something that uh, I know a lot of people have enjoyed doing. One of the things that I think, you know, the Western suburbs here have done really have, have actually, it's been a great benefit is uh, the Wednesday journal papers. So in Oak Park, it's Wednesday journal. Then they have like the forest journal or you know something else you know the the name changes wherever the locale is but it's a a grouping of um, local papers that um, have just done a really great job of putting their finger on the pulse of the um, the communities that that uh, the papers are are distributed in much different than um, say you know patch or you know whatever the the names of the uh, local editions of the tribune or the sun times are um so and and that kind of fills that 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 void i think of you know um citizenship and um it's it's really it's it's a wonderful thing to have yeah yeah and then she talked about some apps that were kind of cool Mm. on my sidewalk Mm-hmm. evidently is a digital platform for town hall meetings mm-hmm. so i know nobody wants to go to these really long <laughs> you know no. civic meetings and so what a great way to be able to you know go into this app and and hear about you know whatever's important or to offer your suggestions yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then next door is a really fun neighborhoody mm-hmm. kind of app where you can share information right right yeah um i am looking forward to things you know uh, opening up so I can get more involved. You know, we lived in Naperville for 21 years and it was a wonderful community and we were ready for something new and something closer to the city. Um, but I have to say that, you know, I did participate in lots of different things there and, um, it, you know, kind of groomed me to be prepared to move and, uh, and find those places yeah. in my new, yeah. in my new community. Yeah. The library is a great organization. So I was a library trustee in River Forest for about six years. And um, I've, I've always felt that as a common gathering space, you know, um, libraries are, are really wonderful. They are, um, without a doubt, a leading contender for that third place that, that we spoke of earlier. Um, and, you know, I'm surprised it didn't come to my mind earlier when I said that, um, it's, that's probably because I, I haven't been using the library in the way that I normally have, uh, before the pandemic, but that is another place where you, you, you know, you can go into your local library and people, people know you, people recognize you usually. 
Yeah. It's funny. We had moved um, to Minnesota, you know, about 25 years ago. And when we moved back just three years later, instead of moving to the community we had been in, we moved to Naperville. Mm. And I remember shopping at Jewel and I don't know how many visits to Jewel it took before someone recognized me, but it was a weird feeling of invisibility. Mm. And um, I think that's what happens when you move to a new community. It takes a while for you to frequent places long enough where someone has that aha moment. Like, and I remember the Jewel person, it was a cashier and she was like, Oh, hi, how are you today? And I could tell that she recognized me and I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I exist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, It's wonderful that that you get that recognition. Yeah. So I, I think this idea of a third place is something that, you know, if you do move somewhere is to really be on purpose about, finding places you love and going back again and again for their benefit and for yours. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your real estate business. Um, You know, I know we sold our house really fast and um, you know, I know other people who have moved during, you know, over the last year and it seems like the real estate market is is pretty hot. Absolutely. Are you finding that? Yeah. It's very hot. Uh, It is a seller's market and um you know, if you can, uh, you know, imagine being uh, a seller, uh, it, it's not a it's not a great time to have people going through your house. So there aren't that many properties that are coming on the market, and the properties that are coming on the market are snatched up very quickly because on the buyer side, people have found that um, their homes may not be particularly well suited for a pandemic. Um, now they're having to live, work. Uh, school, um, everything within the same four walls. So they may need more separation of space. Um, they may just need more square footage. So yeah, so there's a lot, there's a lot of demand, not much supply. Yeah. And are you finding that uh, people are wanting to move into Chicago? Area, it's mostly Chicago or, going out to um, the suburbs. Um, so, and I've worked with any number of, um, people who, um, want a little bit more space, um, outside of, uh, uh, the city, a little bit more green. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, I think that's really what's, what's driving it. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine it would be hard to live in a really crowded city right now. Yeah. Would not be fun. Yeah. No. Um, and I know that you uh, call yourself <laughs> right. a change agent. I love that. <laughs> right. So, what do you mean by that? Uh, you know, how many real estate agents do you know? I mean, everybody knows, you know, at least three or four. Um, there, it's a very crowded profession. So when I became a real estate agent, um, after I decided to, you know, put my international career on on hold for a while. And I, I, I still do international business, mostly just, uh, it's legacy business that, um, uh, was created, you know, prior to, uh, my becoming a realtor about two and a half years ago. Um, but, uh, I had to find a way to differentiate myself. And, um, one of the things that, that, you know, at, at thinking about what realtors do, realtors really help you um, manage change. So 
if there is some event in your life um, that uh, is fairly large, chances are good that you're probably going to um, change your real estate portfolio to match those changes uh, in your life. So um, a young couple getting married, um, they may want to move out of their, uh, you know, their, their apartments in the city, um, find a new home together. Um, those, uh, that couple then has a baby. Uh, maybe it's time to get a, a slightly larger uh, property, so on and so forth. You know, maybe they're looking for different schools or um, uh, whatever. So I call myself a change agent because essentially what I'm doing is I'm helping people to manage the change that they're experiencing in their lives and then um, translating that to a change in their real estate portfolio. Yeah. 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 It's uh, when, when people are moving from a place mm. that they've lived a long time, um, like we did, it's, it is. it's a lot. And um, having a realtor who understands that and can be, you know, loving and kind and patient on one hand, but also keep things moving <laughs> right, along on right, the other hand. Right. There is that tightrope. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I know. And um, yeah, our, I, I, I think it's called mm-hmm. a Mataport. Our realtor had this wonderful technology where he had a professional photographer photograph our house and then they made it into right. a self-guided tour. And um, that really helped so that when somebody wanted to look at the house, right. they first looked there. And if they liked what they saw, then we only had showings with people. Well, who you know, it's interesting. Serious. I think technology has really changed that whole dynamic of going out and viewing homes. Um, anymore, um, I say that uh, searching for a, a new home is like speed dating. Um, you're, you know, all the information is on the internet. It's very easy if you're on Zillow or any of the other um, portals to simply flip through homes similar to like you would on a, on a dating site, or at least as I would imagine, I've never been on one, but uh, you know, you, um, you see all these lovely pictures um, and your first showing actually is not having uh, people come through your door. It's um, millions of times, hundreds at least of times on the internet um, where people are, flipping through your, um, your, your digital photos. So um, it, it is important to get that very right from the very start, because if you don't put your best foot forward um, digitally, then you're going to miss out on a huge market. And then, of course, it's, it's hugely important um, to price the property well. And that's you know coming from a – I, I sold high-tech electronics uh, in Asia – and uh, coming from that background, uh, I really I, I had to learn two things. One was differentiation. What makes my clients' products different enough from you know what's being sold and manufactured in Asia, uh, and also pricing. Um, so you know how how does that how does how does that price translate uh, in that particular market? So I took all of that when I uh, started in uh, real estate and uh, learned how to value a house as a real estate appraiser would. Um, I'm not an appraiser, 
but I use the same uh, tools and methodology that a real estate appraiser does so that I can pinpoint the fair market value of a home. And um, I, I'm kind of analytical in this way. I, I've always kept track of um, my valuations to see how right I, I am so that I can, you know, so I can get better at it. And uh, I'm currently batting 99.5% accuracy. So, <laughs> yeah. That's fabulous. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have, um, yes, yeah, statistical right. information to um, gauge yeah, where you're at. I know. Is it popular for you to use? The it is now. Network oh my gosh. Is with your. <laughs> so I use that a lot. Um, so with, with yeah. properties um, not lasting on the market very long, you have to kind of get a jump start. Um, so I'm working with a couple that wants to move to Hinsdale right now. Uh, Hinsdale, Clarendon Hills. And um, they, uh, you know, the, the properties there are going very, very quickly. So I'm on the, private listing network all the time. Yeah. Seeing what's coming on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I found that to be really helpful mm. for us when we were moving and for people who don't know what that is, is if you want to list your property or uh, I guess usually it's listing, you can put it on this private listing and it's not on the MLS. So it doesn't um, count days on the market. So it's kind of a safe place to test um whether your house is going to show well, whether it's priced right, right. right. I don't so know what else, actually, Kevin, what the else? private listing network is a part of the MLS. It's where um, a, a listing agent uh, can put a, a new listing kind of on hold until everything is ready for it to go live on the MLS. Um, and the uh, MLS allows agents to be able to see these you know, pre MLS listings, if you want to think of it that way. And, um, uh, some may have a price, some may not, uh, information is usually fairly limited. Um, but it's, it's kind of a great way to, as you said, Tamara, to, to stick your toe in the water and, um, to see what kind of, um, uh, demand or what interest is, is out there in that, that property. And, um, so I, I, I have done that, uh, as a, as a listing agent and, um, uh, over the summer we got, we got two very qualified bids, uh, even before it went on the, uh, the, you know, the MLS and we sold <laughs> before, before we could even get it out into the, uh, the general MLS. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think buyers and sellers yeah. need to be aware that this is happening because, um, yeah, I know it's can be uh, disheartening when you look at something on Zillow or one of those right. platforms and it's already sold. Right. And you're like, well, why is it still being out there? Right. Why is it right. still out right. there if it's gone? Right. It happens all the time now. <laughs> yeah. One of the other things that I do to yeah. help differentiate oh my, my, um, my buyers now is um, I have them write a letter. Um, yeah, and this is nothing new. I know other agents do it too, but I tell my, my buyers that, um, in, you know, you need to, tell the sellers why it is that you like their house. What is it about the house, the neighborhood, the community that's really speaking to you? Because, you know, as emotional as a transaction is for the buyer, it's equally or more emotional for the seller. These are, you know, this is a family or an individual who's lived in a property for a number of years. Um, and they, 
don't want to just sell it to anybody. They want it to sell it to someone who really appreciates it. And this, uh, this past fall, I had a, a, a multiple bid. I had buyers in a multiple bid uh, situation. There were five other bids. And um, my buyer was, was saying, oh, we're not going to get it. And I said, listen, write a letter. Tell the seller you know, exactly what I just said before, you know, why you like this house, etc. And um, I will make sure that they see it. And um, that's what, that's what really sealed the deal for them. They got, uh, they got the house, they got it at below asking price, other bids were at or above asking price. And the seller said, you know, we really just want this property to go to someone who's going to like the house, and it's going to fit in. So you know, that is so true. We had that situation with mm. this house that we sold in Naperville. Um, you know, we did direct our, well, first of all, we had multiple offers. And um, the people who ultimately got the house were so generous. The, the house sold really fast and we weren't ready to move that quickly because we wanted our son to have more time mm. in Naperville with his friends. And so they agreed to stay in temporary housing 30 days longer than they wow. needed to. So that we could stay in our house 30 days longer. And it was such a generous exchange and I'm so grateful to them. And then when our mail was, um, you know, being forwarded, some things got hung up and ended up being delivered back in Naperville. And, you know, I've become like texting friends with the new owner because he would text me and say, oh, here's a picture of a piece of mail. Is it something I should toss or do you want to come get it? And then, you know, initially I would send, you know, a friend to get it. And then eventually I just would show up myself and, and then he would text me questions that he had, you know, about how different things worked or where he should go buy something or who Mm, might have cleaned the house in the past or, and um, we have this, you know, really, really sweet relationship going where he feels comfortable asking me for things. And I feel comfortable asking for the favor Mm -hmm. of holding some mail. And um, it makes me feel uh, you know, that I've given the house away, you know, right. uh, to someone who's going to love it right. as much as me. And um, we did have offers from people who mm-hmm. were willing to pay more. Um, but we were too far along in the negotiation. You know, we didn't want right. to. And you felt that, uh, so. an emotional connection with that buyer. And um, that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And when we left Minnesota, I will never forget this. The, um, the man who bought our house was a young guy and he had just recently got engaged. So we didn't deal with his fiance, but um, he worked for Pepsi and he left us a case of Pepsi with a handwritten note. And, you know, it said something like, you know, thank you for this beautiful home. You know, I know that you had your babies here and he knew a little bit about us, you know, and that um, we are looking forward to, you know, raising our family here too. And it was just a nice send off that, yep. This yeah. house is in good hands now. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. That's so, fabulous. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how yeah. were you? How, so sure. back to the book. Well, I was going to ask you, oh, no, so how, how, how has your transition been um, to the Oak Park River Forest area? Are you, are you slowly getting that, that feeling of place? Is it something that's yet to materialize? You know, I was so excited to move and um, I was, I was ready for a new community. 
it was a compromise to go into a condo versus a house. You know, we couldn't find the house that we were looking for. And so we found this condo, which is beautiful. Um, and so the transition uh, during the pandemic has been really hard on me because I am missing having a house. Um, if I had a house, I would be that person who would have turned my garage into a place where people can gather. We did have a fire pit where we gathered all the time. I would be visiting with my friends all the time outside. And, um, you know, I, I don't have that opportunity living in a condo. So that's hard. Um, I'm not making new friends mm -hmm. as quickly as I would like. And I definitely am an extrovert and like people right. to be around me all the time. <laughs> and, um, and it has caused me to second guess whether this is yeah. going to be the right place for me. And I have been looking mostly online at options. And I've also been taking some trips wondering um, mm -hmm. where will we go next and what will that look like? And so I'm not sure, you know, I'm really hoping that things turn around and, and that this can be a place where I feel is right for me, you know, yeah. for however many years, you know, I was, I was hoping just to be here for five to eight years, mm -hmm. at least. Um, it has all the things that I was looking for. Um, it really depends on what happens with the city of Chicago and, you know, my poor husband is working out of our small condo. Thankfully, my son yeah. is at school. And so he is, you know, growing, making new friends, having a few classes online and then mm -hmm. a couple in person. Um, but um, yeah. I'm just not sure. You know, I, I love your comment when I introduced you to this book that you made a comment about yep. blooming where you're planted. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm yeah. trying. <laughs> well, you know, so so it's kind of a two-way street, uh, isn't it? And and I think that's what you're you're feeling now in that um you've been transplanted um and the soil has been less than receptive, uh, you know, for um you know, all the reasons of the of the pandemic, which you so eloquently, you know, stated. It's it's hard for you to get out and do the things that that really make you happy. Um, and I think, you know, there, there are two sides to bloom where you're planted. Uh, obviously you have, you have to have a, a strong and, and willing uh, subject, you know, and then you have to have a good host. Um, and if the subject and, and the host are not ideally matched, then perhaps that, that's not going to work. So, you know, it'd be like planting a cactus in a rainforest. I mean, you, you can't, you can't do that. Um, you could, but the, it, it's, you know, the cactus just will not thrive there or, you know, vice versa. You, you, you couldn't take a, uh, you know, an orchid and then plant it in the middle of a desert. Um, but within, you know, a standard, um, you know, uh, times and, you know, normal times and, um, you know, a standard range of, uh, of, of events, um, I think that can happen and it takes work and effort, which is why I like this, uh, you know, this book so much um, because it gives you a lot of very tangible things that you can do to try and acclimate yourself to the new soil in which you're planted. And she gives such great, um, 
you know, examples and, and ideas of things to do, getting out and walking, um, you know, getting involved uh, in volunteer work, um, shopping locally, biking, sharing meals, you know, community building, etc. So I think, I think, Tamara, you're, you're on the right track. I, I think it's just, you know, unfortunately, we're kind of in, in a very uh, cold winter, as it were, uh, in that, in that process. And uh, it, it's just making it very difficult for you to get out and, and do those things. So I would say, you know, give it a little more time. Um, see, see how that goes, but certainly, certainly look for, look yeah. at your options as well. Cause I think that that's also instructive. More, more information is always good. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm super yeah, optimistic. You are a very optimistic person. So, um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure that it will all work out the way it's yeah. meant to. So, <laughs> um, but I, you know, really appreciated this book. Um, and I, it was fun to be able to know that you were going to read along with me and we could have this conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And I hope other people will be inspired, you know, if they're feeling the same way that, um, you know, they're not as engaged as they could be, that they will, you know, take some of the suggestions from the book and implement yeah. them in their own yeah. life. Well said, well said. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, thank you so much. And I look yes. forward to seeing Tamara, you. Thank you so much. And, and uh, uh, thank you for introducing this book to me and um, for allowing me just to have an opportunity to chat with you. Uh, it's been, it's been really wonderful. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As you heard, moving during a pandemic has been challenging, but I know in due time, I will come to love my new community I'm choosing to believe that there are no mistakes and that God intends for me to bloom wherever I am planted. If you're considering a move and need a top-notch realtor, please reach out to my friend Kevin via email at kcroll at bhhschicago.com. If you like this podcast, please share it with someone you love and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you can listen to our upcoming episodes. If you'd like some help making lifestyle changes, please visit my website, www.tamaraortigal.com to schedule a health chat. I would so love to help you develop a plan that addresses your specific needs. And if you're looking for the best nutritional support, please consider Juice Plus. It's 30 fruits and veggies in a capsule or a gummy. It's real food and can help you stay healthy, especially during stressful times. Have a wonderful day. Be well.